0: Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com/action, denisewalsh d e n i s e w a l s action action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar, and design your dream life today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys, you have heard me say time and time again that I truly believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But sometimes we need to focus on one area at a time first, whether it's business to create momentum in your business, or, or maybe it's relationships really healing and working towards stable relationships, or maybe it's your health, really putting your health at the forefront of your mind and as a top priority for a season so you can make positive changes. And as they say, when the tide rises, all boats rise too. So the idea is is when you pick an area of your life that you want to focus on, you hone in and you make changes here, everything else grows too. And so today, my friends, we are going to focus on health. Because like it or not, the way we feel impacts everything we do. And our next guest is an emotional eating healer. Ooh, I love that. And she is the founder of Escape from Emotional Eating. She is on a mission to help others use food as fuel rather than a way to cope, soothe, or escape their busy, stressful life. She has been awarded the Top Health Coach Award by the Institute of Psychology of Eating three years in a row, has been featured on various media outlets such as CBS, Philadelphia Magazine, and Mind Body Green, just to name a few. And you can check her out at EscapeFromEmotionaleating.com to talk all about emotional eating and how you heal from it. Big Dreamcast, welcome to Jessica Prosini.
1: Thank you. So excited to be here.
0: Me too. You know, I really do think that this is a topic that doesn't get enough attention. The diet world gets a lot of attention. Calorie restriction and which diet are you doing? Are you doing keto? Are you doing paleo? Are you doing carnivore? Are you doing all these things? gets (laughs) a lot of attention. But emotional eating does not. So I would love to first hear a bit of your story about how you got into this world and
1: why this is so important to you. I got into this world because I was an emotional eater and didn't know it. For over 25 years of my life, I emotionally ate just as a part of my everyday life. And it really started to catch my attention as I started to move um, through my 20s and into my 30s that there was something deeper going on here. Um, and and what was going on between me and food was not normal. So after a long, stressful day, I would come home from work, go right to the pantry, often without even taking my coat off, and just stuff myself with whatever I could get my hands on. It didn't matter if it was healthy or unhealthy. Um, I would just fill myself with food to numb out how stressful and overwhelmed I felt. And this didn't just happen once in a blue moon. It was happening pretty regularly. And I was always thinking about food. I was always wondering, like, why am I not losing weight? What's wrong with me? Because I was eating healthy and working out. But I just felt this like magnetism Mm -hmm. towards food. And I remember trying to talk to my friends about it, and they would just sort of brush me off and be like, oh, Jessica, you know, everyone does that with food. Let's go sign up for a workout class. So we would like exercise off whatever I ate. And then I would try to talk to my partner about it. And he would say like, oh, Jessica, I'll love you no matter what size you are, which is everything we want our partners to say. But what boggled my mind was how could he love me when all I wanted to do was crawl out of my own skin. And I remember trying to seek professional help and therapists and and other experts. And they just wanted to write me a prescription for an antidepressant and send me on my way. And I was very clear I was already using food as a way to numb. I just felt like such a shell of a human being. And it was clear that I didn't want to just swap out food for medication. I didn't want to be numb anymore. I wanted peace. I wanted freedom. I wanted food to be nourishing, not compulsive and crazy. And I remember trying to even get myself to go to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. But I come from a long history of alcoholism and addiction in my family generations and just trying to get myself to go to a meeting just felt impossible. I didn't want to go somewhere to just vent about what was going on. I wanted real change. I wanted freedom. And it was at that point that I really felt hopeless, misunderstood, really upset, and beginning to to consider, like, I may have to live with this for the rest of my life. And it was also at that moment that I dedicated myself to investigating every single nook and cranny of my relationship with food, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and even the spiritual. And what I discovered blew my mind. The first thing that I discovered is that there are four roots of emotional eating, And when I started to focus solely on healing these roots, that's where I really started to see things change. I didn't feel so crazy and compulsive around food anymore. And then I started to realize how much I was using food to push away my feelings and just shove things down and just put food on top of it. That I needed another way. I needed a way to be able to move through my feelings. And that's where I started to create the tools that I now teach, like digesting emotions and the fear flush and trigger retraining. And all of this, I just really used myself as a guinea pig. And little by little, day by day, I really started to feel more and more peace with food to the point where now it's been four years since I've touched food in any kind of emotional eating or compulsive capacity. I feel completely at peace with food. It's no longer something that weighs on me or burdens me. Loss of over forty five pounds, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's literally like the biggest burden of my life has just been lifted off of my mind and my body and my soul. And when I experienced that, and I was on this journey, I was like, I can't believe people don't know what I know now, and they need to find out because. Everything I had tried in the past was a complete mismatch. It was completely missing the roots of my relationship with food. That's really what brought me to my work today and working with my clients in my year-long programs and the retreats that I do called The Escape to interviews like this one and videos and workshops and I'm just so passionate about talking about the truth and when and how we're using food to cope in our lives. Wow. You know, I love asking kind of the why behind the why,
0: because dreams are typically born out of a blessing or a burden, you know, a blessing. Mm -hmm. Like I know I wanted to give a scholarship to my college because my grandma paid for mine. It was a blessing I wanted to give forward. But a burden, you know, I don't want people to go through this like I did. I, I, I got yeah. over it and you have this burning passion to share your message. So I have a couple questions about your story. When you were working full time, what were you doing? And was it something so stressful about the job or did that trigger the emotional eating or was the emotional eating there no matter what you were doing?
1: When my emotional eating was at its worst, I was working for a company called Charming Shops. And it's a it was a retail company that had various brands underneath it. One of the brands that I worked on was called Fashion Bug. I left there and, and a couple years later the company sold and closed. So it's no longer around. But for some people who are familiar with like the 80s and the 90s, they may remember Fashion Bug because it was very popular back in the day. So I was uh, in charge of marketing and PR there, and it was a very fast-paced, high-stress, high-pressure job. And my emotional eating really got exacerbated there for a number of reasons. But I will say that my earliest memory of emotional eating was when I was six years old. And I can highlight certain memories within my life, like six 16, 22, 25, 26, like, these are some like really standout moments of like, really where like emotional eating was really bad. So even though the job I was doing was stressful and high paced, and I'll definitely say at that time, I thought I was living my dream job. I thought what I was doing was the end all be all because I always wanted to be in fashion, I always wanted to you know, work on a well-known brand and I was doing those things, but never felt so unhappy and so unhealthy in my entire life. So I'm always careful to distinguish, like, was it the job that triggered my emotional eating? No, my emotional eating was always there. It had never been healed, but it just took that experience me to be like, with all the stress I'm experiencing at work, I can't also bear this massive burden of this stressful relationship with food anymore. So it was more of like a wake up call for me of like, I just don't have the mental and emotional capacity to bear both of these burdens at the same time. Something has to change.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a rock bottom type moment where. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times we can live with the uncomfortableness of uh, restlessness or anxiety or like, I know this isn't right, but I don't really have the energy to change until it, you mm-hmm. get to that rock bottom moment when you're like, all right, I can't, I can't be here anymore. And because yeah. you looked everywhere and, and tried to seek out help, but didn't really find it. I love that you had the courage to go learn it for yourself and seek Mm -hmm. out new answers because a lot of times we'll go to the professionals and when we don't feel like we're getting help, we don't really know what else to do. So tell us, how did you do your investigating
1: and then what are the four roots that need to be healed? You know, our relationship with food is something that we have for our entire lives and I really think it truly is one of our greatest gifts because it is the thing out of anything that we do that we have to do most often like beyond going to the bathroom, like the thing that we have to do the most is eat. And the way that we eat says everything. Like if we want to grow in business, in abundance, in spirituality, and things like that, we can simply look at how we're eating, and why we're eating and really learn so much about it. So for me, My investigation is pretty simple, and it's look at all of the ways and areas that you are not at peace. And I still believe that to this day, still do it to this day, that I truly believe that the areas that we are being challenged, we are the most frustrated, where we are the most anxious or stressed about, are literally... Like the universe's highlight. So, whether you use the language of God or universe or, you know, whatever faith language anyone who's listening uses, feel free to insert here. But I'll just use the universe for our conversation here today. But I really believe it's like the universe or God highlighting, like, look here, learn here. This is where you are meant to go. And what's interesting is that it's those places where we want to run away. It's the difficult, the hard, the anxious, the moments that make our armpits sweat and maybe have diarrhea. You know, it's like those moments where we feel tested that we want to leave. And in my investigation, it's still the way that I live my life today. It's those moments where I really have to pay attention. It's those moments where it's saying, you know, Jessica, wake up. And I just started to pay attention to those areas and started to get really, really curious. And curiosity is like the biggest gateway for healing because any time that we are in judgment, we immediately shut down and we immediately put blinders on. And so it was from a lot of curiosity and a lot of trial and error. And I think one of the things that really like was an advantage to me was that I had already hit such a dark place in my life that I knew anything that I did from that point couldn't make things worse. Like I was so unhappy and so sick and tired of the way that I was living and the way I was being with food that I also was like, well, You know, it's either I try this or I live with this for the rest of my life. So I think it was those things that really, you know, gave me an advantage to really create the body of work that I now teach. And to answer the second part of your question, the four roots of emotional eating, which is everything that I teach in a really in-depth way and also how to heal them, which is like such a conversation for another day. But the four roots are fear, hypervigilance, self-abnegation, and judgment. So that's fear, hypervigilance, self-abnegation, and judgment. And self-abnegation is a pretty big word for something that we all do. And it's basically self-sacrificing so that we aren't subject of any embarrassment or ruffling anyone's feathers. It's a self-sacrifice for the sake of people-pleasing. And then hypervigilance is really about this feeling like you're always on. And for emotional eaters, we'll often feel really wired and really tired at the same time. When we feel wired, we'll use food as a way to quote-unquote come down And when we feel tired, we'll often use food like caffeine or sugar as a way to amp up. And we can just sort of get into these extremes of like, oh, gosh, I'm so exhausted. And oh, my gosh, I'm so exhausted. And I'm so wired at the same time. And that's where it can be very, very exhausting, but also uncomfortable to even just be in our own skin, because it sort of feels like we're always fighting against however we feel.
0: Mm. That's so interesting because it sounds like the roots of emotional eating bear in not either knowing who we are, not trusting who we are, not loving who we are, putting on a show. You know what I mean? Like having that, like the outward focus rather than really getting to know you. So I can imagine your year long program is a year long for a reason, because we've got some things, some layers to dig through, and Mm -hmm. some spaces within ourselves to open.
1: Yeah. And that was something that I really, like was so passionate about when I started my journey and like teaching others is that emotional eating is not like a diet. It's not as simple as swapping out you know, your cookies for carrot sticks. There's so much deeper that goes on. And emotional eating is also a learned behavior. It's not an addiction. It's not this like big thing that, you know, can't ever be changed. But it's also not something that's like, oh, just go for a walk when you feel food cravings. Like, come on, we all been there that doesn't work. So like a year gives us enough time to start to retrain, right? It's sort of like saying to a little kid, like you have a year of school to learn your addition and subtraction, to learn your ABCs, and then you'll move on to the second grade. And like, we don't, you know, say like, oh, you you should be able to learn your ABCs in like two weeks or six months or anything. Like we need time for that relearning because what I'm all about is full freedom. Like why are we even going to have to go at it? We should just, you know, see it all the way through because I know for myself, for the people that I work with and for everyone who's listening that we have bigger things that we are meant to do. Like we were not put on this planet to fight food. We were not put on this planet to wake up in the morning and say to ourselves, I can't believe I just ate that. I can't believe I ate all that last night. We should be waking up in the morning thinking about who can we help? What can we do? Why are we on this planet? And and what is that purpose that we are meant to fulfill? Not about like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna wear? Like, you know, so (laughs) let's just see this all the way through and heal it get the job done so that people can be free to move forward in their purpose and their mission. Well, and I can imagine that once we identify
0: the roots, then we have to heal them and then we build on top of that. So you really are taking people on a full-fledged, in-depth journey where they get to kind of figure out who they are again and who their new identity is with this new eating habit. Whereas maybe they, you know, we kind of get into these habits that end up becoming our identity and we believe that that's who we are. And you're saying that, no, 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 we, we, anybody can heal from this if we take the time. Now, what is a tool that like, I know, I know it it really is Mm -hmm. onion layers, but if somebody's listening and they're thinking, hmm, I also don't really love the way that I am with food. I, whether they overeat or under eat, or they're, they're Mm -hmm. constantly thinking about food What is one tool that listeners can get started with today to start healing this emotional journey?
1: One of the steps that we take in the year-long programs that they teach is called untangling physical hunger from emotional hunger. So believe it or not, we have two types of hunger, and they're often very tangled and confusing. Um, We have physical hunger, where we need to nourish our physical bodies. And then we have emotional hunger, which speaks a very similar language to physical hunger, but has very different meanings. And this is where people get very overwhelmed and confused. So one of the first things that I do with my clients is really untangling physical hunger from emotional hunger. Because when we're clear that okay, I'm not physically hungry, but I'm hungry. Then we can start to learn the language of our emotional body and really understand, okay, I'm not physically hungry, but I'm hungry. So what am I really hungry for? And it goes much more in depth to that, but that's the beginning part. And one of the tools that supports this process is the hunger and fullness scale. And for the purposes of time today, I'm just going to teach the fullness aspect of it because that's all we'll really have time for. So you want to imagine a scale of one to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten is like Thanksgiving Day stuffed. It's like I can't believe I ate all that. It's the I've got a belly ache. I'm in a food coma. I need to go take a nap. I don't need to eat for the next three days. That's a 10. And for many of us who are emotional eaters, that is something that feels familiar. There may be varying extremes of it, but it is definitely the 10 is I've overeaten. I've really overdid it. Where we want to practice landing, where satiation lives, is at a seven. So if you imagine that scale of one to 10, of 10 is so stuffed, I've overeaten, where we want to start practicing is landing at a seven. And it's what I call eating for integrity. It's where you've been able to physically nourish your body. You're eating foods that are right for you, that are nourishing, they're not numbing. And it's really about honoring yourself. And in your physical body and then usually what will happen is the emotional language will start to pipe in and that's where we might encounter some fear and anxiety but it's about be starting to untangle that by honoring that seven so we can understand the deeper language that's coming through now, anything less than a 7, like a 6 or a 5 or a 4, that is starvation. That is restricting yourself. and You're basically setting yourself up for a binge or overeating later on. So let me just give an example of this. Thanksgiving, right? So everyone has these huge meals at Thanksgiving. So what a lot of people end up doing is they'll skip breakfast Maybe even lunch, depending on when they eat with their family, and they'll be starving by the time that Thanksgiving rolls around. And because they haven't been really honoring their body up to that point, they're setting themselves up for overeating. So they sit down to the meal, they, you know, eat because their body is starving, but eat because it's really good at the same time and completely blow past that seven and don't even realize it. And then they're like, "Oof, my belly hurts. Maybe I should stop eating now. And they may even be beyond a 10. So where we want to start practicing is when eating anything. You can simply ask yourself, we all have an inner teacher an inner guide. And you simply ask yourself, you know, where am I on the fullness scale? You picture that scale of one, and you allow your inner guide self to respond. You may see a picture of numbers, you may hear some numbers, you may hear just one number, but allow the information to come through and then inform your next decision as a part of your meal. Is it time to stop? Is it time to have just a few more bites? Is it time to give yourself a break and a breather? Have you been eating too fast? So all of this is really to start reconnecting. As you were saying earlier is like, oh, it seems like emotional eating is about so much of what's outside of you. And it's true. So much of the journey is about being willing to turn inward. And really start to have a conversation and care for yourself. So aiming for that seven is honoring the fullness scale.
0: That's such a great tip.
1: I did a bodybuilding competition a few years ago.
0: And so I was on a strict meal plan, eating at timed intervals, doing what they told me to do. And I can tell you, I saw amazing results. Like I looked good on the stage, but Mm -hmm. my relationship with food was so wacky after that. Because you're, you know, they say intuitive eating, but eat what you feel like. But if you're craving cookies, you know, so you're just, you really do need to reset. So then you can, re, like you said, retrain even Mm -hmm. your body to, to create those new habits.
1: Yeah, yeah. And intuitive eating is a term and a tool that gets thrown around a lot in the health and wellness world. And it's great. But for emotional eaters, we can really struggle with it because the thing that's clouding our intuition is our fear, our stress, our anxiety, and our overwhelm. So that's in like my programs. And when I'm working with people, we work first on managing the stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. So there's a clear hearing. Like you can actually hear your intuition when it comes to food or anything else. Because for an emotional eater, if you're just like, oh, eat intuitively, they're going to be like, I hear millions of voices in my head. Like, which one do I listen <laughs> to? Because that was my experience. And I'm like, I hear multiple voices. They're telling me all different things. What do I do?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. So what if somebody's out there and they're like, I
1: don't know if this is to the point where it's a problem or it's not Mm -hmm. a problem,
0: what would you say to them?
1: There are varying experiences of emotional eating. And, you know, I think it's important for each one of us to decide, is this something that I'm willing to carry? You know, is this a burden that I'm willing to continue to bear? And if so, how is it costing me, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally? Is it holding me back? from my dream? Is it holding me back from being the person that I know I'm meant to be? And I offer a free quiz on my website, escapefromemotionaleating.com. If anything that I've said here together resonates with you, I highly recommend going over there, escapefromemotionaleating.com dot and entering your name and email and taking that free quiz. People tell me all the time how eye opening those questions are They're questions that we don't normally ask when it comes to food. And then once you take the quiz, I'm on the other side, you know, based on your quiz results, giving you next steps from there on how to start transforming your relationship with food. But I truly believe our relationship with food should be as simple as breathing, like breathing or blinking or the beating of our heart. And I think for so many of us, it has become anything but that. It has become so difficult, so overwhelming. You know, there's so many different opinions. And everything that I'm about is like, let's get back to the simplicity. Because I truly believe that our bodies are these magnificent walking miracles. I mean, you break a bone, it can heal itself. (laughs) So surely when it comes to food, your body knows what to do, but it's everything that gets in the way, the stress, the anxiety, the past trauma, the difficulties that interfere with that connection. So escape from emotionaleating.com. Take that free quiz, especially if you have a sense that your relationship is holding you back. And you'll have your next steps and what to do from there. Awesome. Thank you so much. I
0: often say we cannot create our dream life if our emotions are three steps behind. And often mm-hmm. trauma or that overwhelming sense of fear and all of these things that you've mentioned that cloud us, keep us from really stepping into our next step. And you're creating a space for healing. And and that's a priceless space. And you guys often, we don't know how good we can feel until we feel it. And then we realize how bad we actually felt. So if any of this connects with you, absolutely take action. Now go to escape from connect with Jessica and see how she can help support you on this journey. So I've got two questions for you, Jessica, to end today. Yes. As an entrepreneur, we know that we have this big vision, you know, you've got this burning desire to take people somewhere. And I'm a, I'm a former clinical psychologist turned business coach, so you're totally speaking my language and I've <laughs> felt that way myself, but that doesn't mean it's always easy. So I want to hear from you. Um, how did you pivot from this, that, you know, you're working full time, you're working on yourself to this needs to be a business. And how did you step into the entrepreneurship side of things.
1: I love how you use the word pivot because mine was like more of like a crash, burn, crumble, crawl, crawl some more, flat on your belly, flat on your back, crying, pick yourself up, fall down, get back up. (laughs) And it continues. But for me, like in the beginning, it was honestly just about the next step. I actually never like knew that this was what it was all going to turn out to be. I honestly quit my job and went back to school for nutrition at the time to just understand my own relationship with it. Honestly, it was why I went back to school. And like when I wasn't finding the answers there, like I binge ate my way through nutrition school. So I was like, okay, something's not adding up. Then it was like, okay, so then what's the next step? And step by step by step by step, then it became, okay, you know, let's turn this into a business. But that didn't come across until someone actually said to me, I need you to work with me and I need you to work with me right now. (laughs) like I never thought like I was going to have my own business or anything and I think it was like a bit of being that naive that really supported me and staying on the journey because I was literally just following the right next step and so much of my journey was like I gotta heal myself I gotta heal myself and then it became oh my god I healed myself i got to help other people heal themselves so i think anyone who's listening who you know feels overwhelmed by the the entrepreneur journey my recommendation is just what is the next step forget the next 5 years forget the next life you like today like what is the next step and just taking that and doing that every day will always lead you exactly where you are meant to be cuz it did for me Awesome. And my last question is we also know there's,
0: you know, the vision of, you know, taking your next step, but we also have to have the discipline of of getting there and doing things every day, uh, which means we need to take care of ourselves and we've got to stay full or else we'll burn out and crash and burn again. So what is one
1: thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? Food. (laughs) (laughs) But in a very different way than used to. So in the past, I Would like work, 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 work. And then when I was starving, I would stop and get something to eat and usually have a headache and like just be so drained at the point. But for me, having sacred space in the middle of my day to nourish myself is everything. And it is a major act of self care. It's on my calendar. I do not take appointments during that time. And I'm not spending, you know, an hour eating. It takes us 15 minutes to eat, whether we do it fully present or multitasking, believe it or not. But like my lunch is really sacred. I really regard it as a time to really nourish and refuel myself and refocus. Um, My energy tends to shift in the afternoon versus the, the morning. So it also helps me like, you know, ease into that shift in my energy and set myself up for rest. So sometimes lunch could include a walk. Sometimes it could include lying down. Sometimes it could be reading a magazine. Sometimes it could be, you know, talking to my husband or someone I know. But it's really about having that sacred space within the day. I think so many people, when it comes to self-care, they think, okay, this is something I have to do in the morning or at night, but not anytime while I'm working. And that just sets us up for very similar to what I was talking about with Thanksgiving is like we're waiting and waiting and waiting to take care of ourselves and it's too late. So I truly believe it's about having sacred space within your day, whether it's time for lunch or a 10 minute breathing break or whatever that is for you. But having that sacred time for me to nourish myself really supports me in being fully present and really able to tackle whatever comes my way because I know I've already taken care of myself. I'm fully focused on on the present moment. I'm not worrying about like, oh, I'm hungry. What am I gonna eat? already taken care of and then things can get done awesome awesome well thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience you
0: guys i learned some things and took some notes and if this resonates with you check out escape from emotional we will put the link in the show notes as well as the links to jessica's social so you can connect with her there. So with that being said, you guys, you have a life worthy of you working to create. So continue to dream big